here for you. And now here's your host, Aaron Page. All interviews presented on the Remedy Revolution podcast are designed to provide information and inspiration only. Guests of the podcast may present opinions and anecdotes which are solely their own. And as always, before beginning any treatment protocol, please consult with your preferred medical provider. Welcome to The Revolution. My name is Erin, and this is our very first guest since the name change, Dr. Jim Meehan. Dr. Jim has been on the podcast before, um, and we were talking about something very different. So this time we're going to be talking about hormones, which I know is something very near and dear to you from a personal standpoint. And, and also to myself, I work a lot with women who are struggling with hormone issues in general. And I I really think that, you know, having this conversation is going to be very beneficial to so many of our listeners. Dr. Meehan is in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and he started out as an ophthalmologist. So I have to ask, how did you get into hormones? What what was that all about? (laughs) Well, yeah, divine kind of providence type things for sure. So I went into ophthalmology probably as a medical student. I wanted to go into a specialty that was, you know, had all, ophthalmology is one of the elite subspecialties in medicine. It's an, or a specialty that allows us to do a mix of surgery and, you know, medical patient care. But I got into, I was just doing surgeries all the time. Most of my patients were under the effects of anesthesia or sedated and, I like the interaction, you know, getting to know them, them getting to hear about our kids and what our kids are doing, that type of thing. And more than anything else, though, Aaron, was I was really frustrated by the a medical system that paid me a great deal of money to treat the end stages of disease, you know, a diabetic retina, treating it with a laser, but nothing to prevent it. And so, you know, about five, six years into my, my medical practice, I just pivoted. You know, I uh I pivoted because I wanted to prevent disease. I wanted to focus on on the things that I thought matter, teaching people how to, you know, change the food they're eating, eating, avoid the toxins that are polluting and and poisoning our food, how to move and exercise and enjoy it. And, and also in that process, I think a part of my menopause, I, I was going, I, you know, I was going through <laughs> my own medical condition that I didn't fully understand at the time. I just knew that I was, you know, tired all the time, wasn't happy with anything that I was doing and wouldn't have mattered probably what I was doing at the time. I was just going through a time in which my hormones were so low. My mom had more testosterone than I did. Probably I had been a high level elite athlete. It always been, you know, a lean, mean fighting machine and, you know, martial artists, middle linebacker, fullback, played college baseball. And uh, here I found myself overweight, inflamed, miserable, depressed. You know, I go to the medical doctor and I get a pill for every one of those symptoms. Got side effects from everyone. I mean, I was literally put on a statin, a blood pressure medicine, a weight loss medicine, an antidepressant, uh, depressant Prozac. Got, you know, negative side effects from every one of them. Just felt worse. And I finally found a doctor that would I started, you know, doing my own research and said, I need to get my hormones checked. I mean, I, I check all the boxes and finally did get my a lab test and found this serious deficiency across the board, had a damage. I damaged my pituitary gland from all of the 
times that I rammed my helmet into a middle linebacker or, you know, martial artist punched and kicked in the face and head more times than I can remember. And that had traumatized the pituitary gland, which controls all of your hormones. Very common, you know, situation, by the way, you know, men and women and the athletics might, you know, if you're in cheer and your daughter's one of those, the flyers or, you know, the lifters, how many times have they, you know, kind of seen stars from a head injury? And our boys, <laughs> yeah, right. And especially when they're young, I mean, that little pituitary gland is hanging there like a little punching bag and a, you know, a bony protected part of the skull until, you know, there's a major acceleration, deceleration injury that slams that little punching bag, a delicate, delicate gland into that bony protective wall and traumatizes it. And if that happens significantly or enough, it can be enough to shut down that gland's ability to control your sex hormones, your thyroid, your growth hormone, et cetera. So I found myself at that place in life. And honestly, it was a really, it was a dark time for me. I, I thought all the best years were behind me. I was very depressed. I was grumpy all the time. I was tired all the time. Those are the two you know, first questions that I ask um, or I hear patients say when they have a hormone deficiency and getting it diagnosed and then finding a doctor that could do a reasonably good job back then. This is 25 some odd years ago in, in treating that issue, which we're not well trained in medicine for, not even in endocrinology. In fact, I train a lot of doctors in how to do bioidentical, biorhythmic, transdermal hormone replacement therapy. And, and I find they know more about, you know, antidepressants than they do anything to do with hormones, all, all classes, endocrinologists. I mean, it's not profitable. And that's really the, the big issue here is natural hormones, which are the only type that you should be getting, you know, not these patented aberrations of, of synthetic versions of our hormones, ethanol, estradiol, or, you know, Premarin, which was from pregnant Mary urine. It was another species of estrogen that women were given in the, the 1990s and early 2000s. Natural substances in the body can't be patented. So there's just no interest. And my profession is a, uh, is a profession that works for pharma. You know, they don't say that outright, but it's, we're brainwashed and indoctrinated, you know, to do that pill for every ill sick care system that was designed by the Rockefellers. And I just saw that system failing not only me as a doctor and my patients, but failing me as a patient. And I, I, I set out to just do something better, get more training, more, you know, something more than the two and a half weeks that we spent in nutrition training and medical school, you know, the inadequate, the, the over-focus on, you know, pharmaceutical interventions and such. And so um, lots of training. I mean, you know, my blessing, my curse is I'm curious. I want to know deeply and I try to understand everything that I can. And I had had such a transformation in my health. I mean, Aaron, it was from, you know, serious depression to the point where I'm a follower of Christ. I wouldn't have taken my life, but, you know, the thoughts were kind of there. In fact, I was kind of my approach to it was I'm going to rejoin the military. I'd been a West Point cadet. And, you know, I thought I'm going to rejoin the military. So, I mean, if I, if I go out on my fighting on my feet for something, you know, meaningful, which back then I realized it's not meaningful what we're doing with our military, but back then I was, you know, I probably wasn't the same mindset. So that's how I would have gone out. You know, I would, if you could have airdropped me into Baghdad with a pair of boxing gloves and, 
you know, boxer shorts, I would have said, drop me in, let's go. I'm, I'm just, this isn't the life I wanted to live. But when I got that hormone deficiency corrected and my brain was clear again, my, my, you know, testosterone in the brain is the best antidepressant, the best anti-anxiety medicine. It's a part of what makes us when we're young, you know, feel like there's so much hope and potential for the future. And when we lose that, we lose, you know, we lose a lot of ourselves. And then I think you stack on top of that, that happens naturally with aging, right? But the problem is, is what's happening in the world today, the toxins in our food supply, you know, the glyphosate, the atrazine, this new EPA, you know, pesticide herbicide that's coming out, which will be even worse. It's like they're trying to kill us. You know, it's like we're trying, they're trying to poison us to diminish our health and to make us fat, sick, inflamed, depressed, and quite honestly, just big consumers. You know, I, I think a lot of people in the world, unfortunately, see us as a bunch of useless eaters and they treat us accordingly. And they're treating our food as if it's something to diminish us, make us easier to, easier to control, bigger consumers. And um, man, I just want to, I want to make people hard to kill because people are trying, it seems like so many people are trying to kill us. You know, I'm a bit, I'm very outspoken about my dissatisfaction and the, the failures of the medical system. We spend way too much money on a system that gives too, way too few benefits you know, it's a sick care system and it would be a cheap and easy transition to train doctors to be preventative. And, and you know, because when you damage the tissue, you know, to stop the tissue damage before the tissue is damaged. You take somebody that's got, you know, Alzheimer's, um, you know, serious diabetes, lost a kidney, leg ap- you don't come back from that. I mean, we got to prevent that stuff from happening and it's not difficult, you know, but they don't want us to deliver that message because it'd be a message that's like, stop eating genetically modified food. They are estrogenizing you. You see all these young men that are confused about their gender trying to play on the women's teams. I'm sorry, but that's, they grew up in the womb with someone that was eating way too much of atrazine and glyphosate contaminated foods. Their neurodevelopment is altered. And it's happening to all of us. And, you know, anthropologists are commenting on it, you know, so that message they don't want us to deliver, but that's a message I'll deliver every single day because it starts with our food. It starts with our diet. And, you know, we have to counter that and the damage that that's been doing. And, and, and then, you know, on top of that, it gets really hard. If you're going to, you know, if you're going to replace that food, what are you going to do? Cause it's not easy to figure out what's really organic and what's not. And for me, it became the only solution was to buy a farm, you know, move out of the city, start growing my own food, raising our own pigs, chickens, you know, grandkids and dogs. We have, you know, three families, two of my daughters and their families have moved out there and my grandkids are going to eat real food, not this monoculture, you know, heavily sprayed roundup atrazine you know turn you know male frogs into female frogs type of food and so that's a long answer to that <laughs> simple question but that's that's the arc of my life thus far 
Yeah, absolutely. So you're speaking my language because at, at 27 years old, I was actually diagnosed as perimenopausal by a naturopath who said to me flat out, I would not hesitate to put you on bioidenticals at this point because, yeah. you know, my hormones had just flatlined a long history of like Epstein-Barr virus and things like yeah. that, which then contributed to, you know, essentially the complete annihilation of my hormone levels. Mm -hmm. You know, I had virtually none, you know, <laughs> no yeah. testosterone, no estrogen, you know, no progesterone. There was like nothing there. <laughs> so, um, so then, you know, fast forward. And by the way, back then I did, I did write a book called mind over fatter, the secret to thinking yourself thin. And that book did focus a lot on making sure that you understood, you know, what your hormone balances were, because if you're trying to lose weight, and you've got like this massive out of control hormone levels, then in any direction, then you're going to struggle. Um, right. And so that's really something that I think is is super important when it comes to, you know, trying to get fit and lose weight as well. And ultimately, though, fast forward several years, I got COVID and COVID did a number on my hormones again. So yeah. I'd love to know what you're seeing with all of that. Yeah. Because for me, it was just a complete a rise in across the board viral titers, which we talked about last time, but a complete annihilation again of my hormone levels to the point where the only thing I could do, um, I actually did methylene blue to really help fix the mitochondria and the ATP production. Mm -hmm which did help, but I'm still coming back from that. So maybe you could speak a little bit to what you're seeing now in today's day and age oh, yeah. uh, with that. Well, number one, let's start from the premise that it's a bioweapon. You know, it was a, a gain of function weaponized virus that should have never been created. And we still haven't held accountable the people that created it, but it was created to cause more damage and harm. And it does. And you know, once it enters the lungs and enters the bloodstream, because the really it's a it's a bloodstream coagulopathy disease. And once it hits the bloodstream, it can hit any tissue that is rich in those ACE2 receptors. Well, ovaries, testicles, sex hormone production, these are big targets of that of that virus. And so you would see that in a lot of a lot of people as a significant, you know, decline in their hormone levels and the post. And that, that contributed to the long COVID kind of picture too. I mean, I, I really think that most people that have a significant pneumonia, a significant infection, they'll have long-term, you know, sequelae. I think the, the long COVID thing has been a, kind of boosted a little bit by those that want to exaggerate the risks of, you know, kind of keep people in fear and compliance with getting this, you know, the biggest mistake in the history of medicine, in my opinion, the injection, gene therapy injections is the mm -hmm. biggest mistake. And they're, you know, covering up the evidence of it. The only thing worse than the virus itself and the spike protein on that virus that you'll experience for, you know, five days to 10 days in the early stages, but five to 10 days is the potential of six to 12 months of spike protein exposure from a gene therapy that hijacks your intracellular machinery and starts pumping out spike proteins for months, mm -hmm. you know, easily many times longer than that brief exposure from the virus itself. So, I mean, the biggest thing I'm seeing right now is not the long COVID. We have a lot of that, 
it, some of it is the attack on the ovary. Some of it is just, you know, adding to the systemic inflammation that they are already suffering. You talk about Epstein-Barr, which is a very common, you know, virus latent comes at, you know, you get a another, you get an infection, your immune system has to fight on multiple fronts. Here comes, here comes Epstein-Barr to, you know, flare and put you back into that crushing fatigue and, and everything that, so you're now you're fighting a war on two fronts. Your immune system is just overrun and that happens all the time. You know, again, guess what's worse than the virus itself and the natural infection. It's having that happen from the, the injections. Cause these, these vaccines are causing exactly that for much longer periods of time mm-hmm. causing not, you know, not only Epstein-Barr, but varicella and shingles and Ramsey hunt and so many other things. But um, the long COVID is, yeah, again, it's, it happens. It ha- every time you get it, you have a major injury. It's not an overnight thing. It's going to take months when you're young. It's, it's a little bit easier to sustain, but you know, it's always been true that uh, the older you get, the more fragile your health is, the more likely that pneumonia that, 20 years previously, you would have, you know, you would have been fine from, but it could be a, you know, it could really end you, knock you down enough that you never climb out of that, the hole that your health can be knocked into. But again, that's where I think it's about fragility and the population is becoming more and more fragile in their health, less, you know, they're right up to the edge of the precipice of disease and destruction. And we got to move them back from that by, you know, cleaning up the diet, targeted supplementation, get their hormones and check, get that microbiome functioning again, get their inflammation under control. In fact, what I'm talking about is I created a, a framework called Mindset. It's an acronym, M-I-N-D-S-E-T, for the seven key elements of health, wellness, and vitality. The microbiome is the M in that mindset. Your gut microbiome is critical to your health. Glyph- every meal that has glyphosate in it destroys your your microbiome, stop eating anything genetically modified and more things in you read all the, in the label because any vegetable oil, many of the additional things, anything that says vegetable oil, it's got glyphosate in it. You know, don't drink American beers and wines. They're, you know, heavily, well, don't drink alcohol. I mean, do you really need it? I mean, maybe everything in moderation, including moderation said Winston Churchill, but he was rationalizing uh, alcoholism, but <laughs> You know, be really cognizant of the dangers of some of these toxic molecules that are in, are in your food. But mindset, M is microbiome, I is inflammation control. Man, so much chronic disease is driven by inflammation. You know, put out the fires of inflammation. Sugars inflammatory, start there. You know, omega-3 high levels of a high-quality omega-3, curcumin. You know, eat anti-inflammatory foods. Anyway, that N is... Uh, nutrition. So it's all about just trying to teach people how to eat better. D is detoxification. Most of my detox detox work is on avoiding it. You know, that's the best way. Know where the toxins are. Mm -hmm. And it's not just, you know, it's not just the estrogenic compounds and poisons in our food. It's like Wi-Fi. I mean, 5G Wi-Fi is a toxin nowadays. So know where these various toxins are. S is sleep, E is exercise, and T is total hormone balance. But I'll tell you, I usually start a consultation with a patient by getting some lab work, mm-hmm. you know, getting that sex hormone lab work, thyroid hormone lab work. And here's why. Because I, 
uh, the way I see hormones, if you look at the human body, there are receptors for your testosterone, your estradiol, your progesterone on every cell in the body except red blood cells. Uh, hormones are like water to a garden. If you have a beautiful garden, but you don't water that garden, not only are your plants not going to bear fruit and bloom and flower, but they're going to wilt and wither. And that's what you see in the human body when your hormones diminish for multiple reasons that we've talked about, viral attack, vaccine attack, you know, head trauma, et cetera, bad diet, you know, 5G, stop carrying that phone, especially boys, stop carrying your phone in your front pocket because those boys are hanging down there. They're kind of unprotected, but ladies, you know, just get that phone away from you and because that those signals. So all of those different things are attacking our body. And um, if we don't get those hormones to a level of restoration of health where they would have been when you were 50 or 40, you know, 40 or 50 years ago, because that's not where they are. Some of your listeners might be old enough to remember Jack LaLanne, the guy that the original juicer guy. Mm -hmm. um, and Jack, you know, in his 90s had a testosterone that was most, you know, 20 year olds today would be jealous of over 900 you know, naturally, just from juicing, eating, you know, healthy vegetables. I don't think Jack could do what he did back then. He could pull boats across the English Channel by holding a rope in his teeth, you know, <laughs> and as he swam the English Channel in his like 70s, I think. I might be exaggerating that, but I mean, really amazing accomplishments when you live a clean, healthy life, eat well, et cetera. Be hard to do that in this day and age unless you were growing, and Jack would have. He would have grown his own, you know, fruits and vegetables and such. But we, you know, we can do that today and we've got to start doing that. Mm -hmm. I will tell you, as a part time farmer, part time pig farmer, you know, gardener, I've never loved life more. There's something amazing about nurturing and watching those, you know, those pigs grow from little piglings and the chickens from eggs and watching the grandkids chasing all of that stuff all around, you know, getting up in the morning on the weekends and not going to an iPad or computer or the TV, but going out and letting the dogs, you know, wrestling with the dogs and, and um, chasing the chickens. So, you know, it's a, it's just a better world. And I think we got to get back to that. And if we don't, I don't, I, I mean, I, I think we're heading to extinction yeah, absolutely. I, I actually, I wish I could remember her name offhand, but there, there was just an interview um, Russell Brand did with an Indian woman. And I, oh, um, yes. I know who you're talking about. Um, and she was yeah. amazing, but she spoke so much about the need for us to really get back to, you know, very more, you know, simple, simple lifestyles, like things mm -hmm. like growing, even if it's just a tiny little garden yeah. or having two chickens or, you know, things like that, allowing for those little things to enter into your lifestyle, mm -hmm. not just because they'll feed you, but because <laughs> there's a number of other benefits to just getting into that routine and connecting, reconnecting with nature, which is so, mm -hmm. so important. And, and isn't it true too, that connecting with nature is also serves as a hormone balancer. Right? Yeah. So. In so many ways. Yeah. And it improves your, you know, your gut microbiome, get right. your, you know, when you're growing your own vegetables, you don't have to wash them. I tell people just shake it off a little bit. We all need to eat a little bit more dirt as long as that dirt is, you know, cause our soil has a microbiome too. And we've been right. destroying that with the pesticides and herbicides and sterilizing that soil. And that's, that's part of the problem that we're all facing the nutrient 
density of our food is diminished. You know, the soil microbiome has been destroyed, not in our garden, not in our land. It's a, you know, we're kind of following that Joel Saladin, polyface farms, permaculture, sustainable farming kind of approach. And it's amazing. And it's, it's beautiful. You like the, the pigs are terraformers, you know, they, they turn, this is an animal that you got to respect because they turn poison ivy into bacon. And (laughs) it's amazing how they just clear our land and the woods. And, and it's just, you know, what comes in behind them because they fertilized it and rooted it up and is beautiful. And then we seed it with some awesome, you know, like turnips and other stuff. And we kind of move them from location to location. And what you get behind them and in return is this beautiful, lush vegetation that will feed them even better the next go around. And mm-hmm. yeah, it's, um, I, we're having so much fun with it, but we all, you know, we all can do it. Whether you're in an apartment, all you got's a patio, you know, get some cherry tomatoes and start teaching your kids that a cherry tomato that's grown in good, healthy soil that ripens under the effect of the sun. Both of those things aren't happening with the food you're buying in the grocery store. Your kids will learn that that cherry tomato is like, man, it's like delicious. <laughs> it's not like that kind of empty, tasteless stuff that you buy in the store many times. It's amazing. And they they develop a taste and it helps them to develop their taste buds. My grandkids love broccoli and cauliflower and Brussels sprouts and, you know, tomatoes and all those things, because, you know, it actually tastes good when, when it's not, you know, harvested in nutrient depleted soil, not ripening under the effect of the sun, but instead it's harvested before it's ripe and it's ripening under the effect of exotic gas on the back of a distribution (laughs) truck on the way to the, you know, distribution center. And it's 90 days old by the time you get it. Now it's going to be but that's okay because now it's going to be coated with Bill Gates's, you know, plastic <laughs> coating appeal. How good is that? I mean, I'm telling you, that's another, you know, I'm 666% sure that anything Bill Gates has his hands on is, is, is not going to be good for humanity, period. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> 666% sure. We are in agreement there. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So this is probably a loaded question. It is a loaded question. So (laughs) what is the difference between male and female hormones? And, Mm. you know, we, we do have, you know, females have testosterone, males have estrogen. So what are we talking about when, when we're looking at, you know, someone in front of us who's depleted hormonally as a male or versus a female? Yeah. Well, the two main, so number one, we all have the same hormones. You have testosterone, I have estradiol, progesterone, pregnenolone, DHEA, et cetera. All the intermediate metabol, we have all those together. The difference is the levels, the, you know, the, the primary action of the hormones. So women have higher levels of estradiol at various times during the cycle, but they're all important to our tissues. The other big difference between men and women is the, the rhythmic rise and fall, the, the, the rhythm of your hormones, women have a very complex, amazing, harmonious rhythm that usually takes place over about an average of 28 days. That makes it really difficult to both measure, diagnose deficiencies in, like the rhythmic rise in estradiol will be, you know, when the first day of your menstrual cycle or of your menstrual cycle the first day of bleeding is when your period starts and usually four or five days should be painless, 
you know, mild flow, no big deal. That's not what women are experiencing. And I can talk right. to why that it is and isn't, but from day one to about day 12 or 13, estrogen rises consistently, progressively to a peak on about day 13. If a woman is getting her hormones measured, and we're talking about real women, adult women, adult females, <laughs> not this other <laughs> stuff that they're, um, but the, if you're going to get, if, if, if an adult female is going to have her, her hormones measured, you really want to measure estradiol and you want to measure it around the time of ovulation because hormones are dose dependent regulators of gene transcription. The level of the hormone in your body at any given time is a message to your DNA. And that message is dynamically changing. Your hormones are, you know, as they're rising and, and falling at different times, different messages are being sent to your DNA, but it's estradiol that's going to signal the DNA to create receptors for all the other hormones. You know, if your estradiol levels are low, you won't have receptors for all the other hormones. Sometimes I see, many times I see doctors putting women on high doses of testosterone when they have no estradiol. Mm -hmm. Now, estradiol is made from testosterone, but that conversion doesn't work real well with just administering testosterone because it, it does have some antidepressants. It has many benefits in the human body, male and female. But without estradiol, neither men nor women will be able to receive the hormones. And then doctors say, well, I don't know what's happening. The testosterone levels look great, but you're not, you don't have any of the benefits. Mm -hmm. um, it's because that doctor, you know, we weren't taught this in medical school. I had to learn it. And it, there was no book to read on this. I had to learn it by going deep into the medical literature and seeing, you know, thousands of patients over the last 30 years and figuring out that oh, wow. I mean, they're right. In this paper, they talked about how estrogen levels are, you know, changing DNA transcription, creating receptors. So a doctor sees this high level of testosterone in the body and says, I don't know why that's not working. Low level of estradiol. And, and the answer is because they don't have the estradiol to create the receptors for that testosterone. So what you're seeing is all this unused you know, testosterone floating around in the bloodstream, which is meaningless. It's like a bunch of, you know, Antifa members milling around, doing nothing, not working. You know, you, it, it takes, I don't know why I said Antifa members, but anyway, <laughs> the, uh, the testosterone not binding to the androgen receptor in the nucleus of your cells, is pretty worthless. You know, it's just floating around and creating secondary problems sometimes, you know, abnormal hair growth, you get some chin whiskers and hair, mm -hmm. um, you get misdiagnosed with something like PCOS. It's probably the estradiol deficiency that's driving the whole thing. You can't create mm -hmm. the receptors, receive the progesterone, the testosterone and estrogen, you know, creates its own receptors. So the first thing you got to do is measure properly, the proper timing in context with what your menstrual cycle, if you're still having one, mm -hmm. um, if you're menopausal, postmenopausal, um, which is defined as it's average age, usually about 51 in mm -hmm. that range. But women are born with all the eggs and their ovaries that they're ever going to have. You're born with them. And then you release a few every month. Some of those will become beautiful babies, and that's what life is all about. And then one day you'll have grandchildren, so do it as much as possible <laughs> and have those grandchildren to enjoy. But one day, all those eggs will be gone. And then a very important control mechanism in your menstrual cycle will diminish. Your hormones will, but your brain will still try to keep sending messages to the ovaries to produce the hormones. 
Right. But the, your hormones will start to diminish, but the rhythm really doesn't. And, mm -hmm. and it will, you'll still produce a lot of these things. And you're, it's not just about pregnancy. Some doctors look at the uterus as it's all about pregnancy. You don't need progesterone after you've gone through menopause. I beg to differ. Okay. God put those progesterone receptors everywhere in your body. You think it's just, you know, it's, it's not necessary at some point. No, it's always necessary. And it's, it's about these hormones being in the right rhythm in the right rhythm and the right balance. Mm-hmm. So I like to show, I'm a visual teacher and visual learner. So I show them the standard menstrual cycle. You know, mm -hmm. estrogen has this kind of biphasic curve. It goes up highest levels on day 13, comes down. If there's no pregnancy, it comes down. Then it comes back up a little bit more to a secondary peak on day 22. So the first half of the cycle, first 14 of the 28 days is all about estrogen. Testosterone is playing an important role there too. It's all about activity, cell replication, healing, repair. Progesterone is the kind of dance partner with estrogen. It's right. low in the first half of the cycle, but it's going to come in, especially if there's not a pregnancy, it's going to come in to give all the cells in the body a chance to rest and relax. It's going to arrest them in G1 phase of mitosis, so cell replication. It just calms that down. And here's the real problem that a lot of women are having is they have almost no progesterone. They have this big, powerful estrogen drive, not just from their estrogen. It's the synthetic estrogens that are binding right. to those estrogen receptors. And by the way, I'm in the camp that says that's what's causing all of the cancers. If you have a hormone-sensitive cancer, ladies, the problem is not your estradiol. Mm -hmm. The problem is atrazine, BPA, you know, glyphosate, et cetera. There's right. a competition going on for the receptors in your breasts, your ovaries, the prostate in men. And that competition, as we get older, is, is more often being won by the bad guys, not your biologic estrogen. It's nonsensical in, in cancer treatment to block your hormones. Mm -hmm. That just increases the odds that one of the bad guys is going to be there. Raise your estrogen as many of the leading cancer treatment centers are. Raise your estrogen. Try to outcompete the atrazine. And not only will your breast cancer get better, but you won't lose your bones and die from depression and muscle loss and bone loss, et cetera. So anyway, back to this picture, uh, the difference between men and women, mm -hmm. this rhythmicity of women's hormones is critical. And it's not, and we're, when we were replacing it, when we're trying to restore someone that has a long list of symptoms that, you know, goes from tissue damage, like bone loss, cardiovascular risk to depression and, and, you know, vaginal atrophy, painful intercourse, et cetera. When those symptoms are present and the objective um, low levels of hormones on the specific days are present. We have to consider restoration of those hormones to one form or a fashion. Now, I'm a medical doctor, so I have the ability to prescribe some of these things. You know, what I prescribe is only bioidenticals. And that mm -hmm. means that doesn't mean that it's like, you know, taken from a human. <laughs> I mean, it, it's, <laughs> it's from Mexican yam and there's some synthetic chemistry that goes into it. But we can create a molecule that was 100% identical to what your ovaries produce for estrogen, mm -hmm. testosterone, progesterone, et cetera, pregnenolone, DHEA. We can make those nowadays. We shouldn't add anything else to those. That's what pharma does. That's what the medical establishment does. 
ethanol estradiol is not human estradiol. You know, medroxyprogesterone acetate. We've proven that these things, you know, when metabolized in the liver cause problems. So stop, you know, I still see women being prescribed Primarin when it was mm-hmm. taken off the market, you know, in 2003. But we we seem to, you know, I, I guess these docs have a, a very attractive pharmaceutical rep that brings in great <laughs> lunches and, you know, concert tickets and and convince them that, yeah, you should still, you know, yeah, it was, a, it was taken off the market, but let's still keep prescribing it. It just, you know, confounds me what's happening out there. The big epiphany for me, Aaron, and I know I'm talking so long on this. I'm excited. This is my favorite topic. (laughs) The epiphany for me was, you know, God humbled me many years ago in my hormone deficiency, dark time. I turned to God. In fact, I Mm -hmm. opened up the Bible. My grandmother had given me took out, looked, Oh, there's a first time I'd seen it since she gave it to when I went off to college at West point. And I opened it up and it's about, you know, baptism. And I called her and I said, grandmother, I'm, I think I need to be baptized. And uh, she started crying and she said, yeah, you do. Yeah, um, you absolutely do. So I got rebaptized. But it was during that time I turned to God and he delivered me, he, you know, helped me with my health, restored my relationship, suffering with my wife. I wasn't a good father, wasn't a good, you know, wasn't a good doctor. I just wasn't a good human. I was just grumpy and mean and irritable. So when I got that, you know, I got that fixed, it changed everything in my life. I said, I, this is what I want to do. I want to restore, okay. I want to restore people's lives, relationships, careers, because that's what it did for me. And it was like fast, you know, it, when you mm-hmm. go from a, a serious deficiency in your hormones to, you know, restoring it to something, it's a matter of weeks. And it, the, the central nervous system things are the things you notice first, better focus, better energy, less depression, you know, less anxious, et cetera. And so, you know, that, that's when I pivoted my entire career away from ophthalmology into functional medicine and the provision of hormone replacement therapy. Again, I got off track there. <laughs> um, you know, the epiphany for me was that I realized that I know less than 1% of the complexity of this system. God designed this amazingly complex system. And I know, you know, we don't know 99% of it. And, and if we're honest, that is true of every system in the body, right. you know, And often what we think we know was fabricated and fraudulent, you know, pseudoscience that was manipulated and contrived, like, you know, what causes depression, the serotonin deficiency, you know, of of depression, Alzheimer's, all of the things I learned in medical school have been, you know, a lot of them been debunked, right? So what I realized was when you don't know 99%, when you know less than 1%, you better just pay very close attention to the, what God created and try to just, just replicate that because, you know, what man, you know, scientists and doctors, when they dare to assume the role of God, they do the devil's work. And that is so true in hormones. When we just give you, you know, horse urine, estrogen, um, we give you synthetic versions. We give it to you orally where it's going to have to be digested, absorbed and metabolized in your liver. We're going to have to put a whole bunch into the liver to get a little bit out into the bloodstream. Right. So when you have to, when you do it, all those kind of, you give just a, a static, same dose every day, static dosing for hormones in men and women is nonsense. It's not, it's not what happens naturally in your physiology. Mm-hmm. So what I what I said is, okay, how can I replicate the rhythmic rise and fall of healthy females and healthy males and 
is anybody doing it? Well, hardly anybody was doing it. And a very, there were a few real pioneers. Guess what? They were women that had, you know, went into the medical system and said, what you just did for me over the last months or years absolutely made me worse. And they, they were typically scientists and not always doctors, but scientists. One was an anthropologist, T.S. Wiley, the creator of the Wiley Protocol. Hmm. Anthropologist, also like soap opera star on All My Children, I think, and, you know, really genius level person. Biorhythmic dosing. So I started studying and, and I know T.S. Wiley. I call her Susie because that's what she goes by. But, but she went by T.S. back then. Mm-hmm. So that she wouldn't immediately disclose her gender. You know, we know that there, there are certain elements and says, I personally think women are smarter, brighter, p- more powerful. We're just here to kind of protect them as males. But she is a, she's an example of that. And some sectors of, you know, would have 20, 30 years ago, they would have discredited her for being a female. Mm-hmm. And she loves that. And she, when she testified b- before Congress on behalf of compounding pharmacy, she destroyed the senators and they tried to, you know, ask her questions, but she's amazing. And so I studied all that. How do you restore hormones biorhythmically? And uh, back in that day, it was like, you know, a tub of cream with little measuring spoons and you would change the amount each day to try to raise the hormone levels in the bloodstream. Mm -hmm. Um, Nowadays, we have these little dispensers that are, you know, little plastic dispensers that you twist the base on each twist of the base pushes out a calibrated amount of the cream. And we can, we give you a dosing chart that says day one, do this day two, this, you know, and each day you get one for estrogen, one for progesterone, one for testosterone. Mm -hmm. And cause each of those hormones has a different rhythm and we can recreate the rhythms that you're body and your brain, your ovaries, pituitary, where since puberty was programming your body to create, and then we can re- recreate that. And then we have lots of customizability because I have yet to find two women that are exactly the same. Right. So you can change it, you know, really fine tune and customize the dosing. And, you know, so the second month, day 13, we send you back to the lab to see how your levels are. You know, I, I have found that so on day 13, when you're 20, your, your estradiol might be 400 to 500 um, picograms per milliliter. But when you're, you know, 60, 50, 150 to 200 might be, you know, more than it's varies from person to person, but about 150 is the place that you got to get to a peak on one of 150, not 150 every day throughout the cycle, but a peak of 150 on day 12 or 13 Mm -hmm. to create the receptors to receive the other hormones. You got to get estrogen dialed in first. Progesterone should be in a nice balance between the two. So you get the activity and you get the rest, you get the anti-cancer benefit. And then, you know, testosterone peaks on day 15, you know, you get frisky after ovulation and that works really well. And you need the right amount of testosterone, not too much, not too little. It's, you know, everybody has kind of a hormonal fingerprint. Mm-hmm. And we try to find what that fingerprint is. I'll ask questions like, what was your level of athleticism? If you were a, you know, a gymnast, a swimmer, a multi-sport athlete, your hormonal fingerprint is typically a little bit, you have, you know, your body is used to having a little bit higher levels of estrogen, testosterone, progesterone, you know, and, and so we try to figure out where to start you and then dial it in. So that's women 
And it's very complex. When it's done right, it's absolutely transformational. Mm-hmm. And we do it right. It's about listening to, you know, I'm a good listener. I'm a, I'm not a dictator. I think some doctors get confused. They're so close between doctor and dictator that they get confused <laughs> which one they actually are. And so they do the dictator thing. But I'm like a coach. I'm like a, you know, collaborative mentor. And I'm a good listener, much better listener than I used to be. And I listen to what those symptoms are. If, you know, if the symptoms are negative symptoms are occurring around a peak level or a low level, whatever hormone is probably peaking or low there, that might be the, you know, might be what we need to reduce or change in some form or fashion. Now that's women. Men are simple. It's a 24 hour rhythm. Yeah. Just like you always knew men are simple, (laughs) 24 hour rhythm, but they have a rhythm, you know, so, you know, pellets, and this is true of men and women, pellets, I did them. Pellets are, pellets don't work. They Mm -hmm. create the wrong rhythm. You know, (laughs) nobody has a four month rhythm and, you know, you shouldn't have to have a lumpy butt from all the scar tissue after you've been getting pellets every three to six months for, you know, a couple of years. But for men, you got to replace that rhythm. For me, it's, I do a combination for men. I do a combination of um, extended release, injectable testosterone, usually a minimum about twice, you know, like 0.3 mLs twice a week. We use the, the long half-life, slow-releasing injectable to raise the base, baseline. Um, if they're, you know, 200, we're going to raise them up, you know, six, seven, 800. Mm-hmm. And, and then to create the rhythm, transdermal cream um, mm-hmm. applied to the skin, 24-hour duration, essentially, peak in an hour and a half after putting it on. You put it on in the morning, and just like that y- young man, that would wake up in the morning ready to, you know, hunt his food, romance his lady, build a business, et cetera. Men wake up with the highest levels of the day in their rhythm. And that turns on various genes as it comes down to its lowest levels in the nighttime, early morning hours, turning on other genes, growth Mm -hmm. hormone production, melatonin. Mm -hmm. So when you restore that rhythm in men, you're also returning the epigenetic genetic effect of the hormones to restore them in a way that most docs aren't, you know, they're getting 80% of the benefit, you know, just doing injectable testosterone is 80% of the benefit. Now I say all that. And I, you know, I should also say I'm a former medical editor. Uh, I used to edit a medical journal and um, I know how to read the science. And I'm, Mm -hmm. I'm, I will tell you, I've read, I read everything. I get alerts when a new publication comes out. I read everything. I think hormones are one of the safest things. Restoring and treating a deficiency is one of the safest things that you can do. Prevents disease, doesn't cause cancer. Um, in fact, I think it counters cancer. And I think mm-hmm. I have the evidence and I could present it in court and win that case every time. But you got a, you got a big industry that's trying to dissuade you otherwise. And a lot of it comes from being confused by the conflation of what is estrogen. Because mm-hmm. in the medical literature, they'll call and we complain about it all the time, but they'll say estrogen, the patient was given estrogen when it was ethanol estradiol or patient received, you know, this dose of progesterone when it was, or when it was actually medroxy progesterone acetate or some other um, synthetic aberration. So when I read the literature, I'm convinced that what I'm doing for myself, for my wife, I'm increasing the probability that we can still be chasing the great, great, great grandkids around about 120, mm-hmm. you know, not in a walker, <laughs> not with kyphotic and, 
six inches shorter than we were in our youth, but, you know, vital having a quality of life in our, our later years. And I can tell you my oldest male patient is 99. Uh, my oldest female patient is 89 and they're amazing. You know, mm-hmm. um, the, the, the male got COVID and it was three days of a, you know, of a flu when all of his, well, he didn't have many contemporaries. Anymore. <laughs> yeah. But at, at 90, and I think he finally retired a couple of years ago, but at 98, he was still running two big businesses, you know, um, amazing individual. And the female, the same thing, you know, and I got to watch her from over about 14 years go from 60 pounds overweight and kind of, you know, sedentary to mm-hmm. doing the, you know, she did walks marathons, mm-hmm. not just regular walk, but that fancy fast walk thing. <laughs> <laughs> she's, a, she's a crazy amazing. And, and I, and so that's, I can tell you risk benefits and alternatives all day long. We're being sold a load of manure about hormone risk. Yeah, sure. There's, I would say there's risk from what medicine has done and what the pharmaceutical industry has tried to create with you know, other species of estrogen and synthetic mm-hmm. versions. But when you restore and replicate God's design with no- bioidentical hormones, you listen to your patient, you customize it for your patient. You know, it's not, we don't have just three doses. Hey, pick one and, you know, take that every day. When you, when you do it this way, you can restore a level of mm-hmm. function, healing, repair that is, it's unbelievable. I've, I've watched so many people my wife included, you know, look 10 years younger after a, a couple of years on hormone therapy. And are there natural ways to do it? There are, the, but they start earlier in life and they start with prevention. Mm-hmm, you, know, they, mm-hmm. you, you can't, you can't eat, you can't eat this toxic stuff that they're feeding us and, you know, bugs and lab grown <laughs> Bill Gates meat. That's guarantee at 666% sure that's not going to work. You got to start early in life. The dam a lot of the times the damage is, has been done. And, right. and listen, I, I think our reproductive systems, they've always been a point of attack by the enemy. Mm-hmm. Always been a point of attack. You know, infertility rising, fertility sliding into nothing. Mm-hmm. Ah, there's, you know, there's people that these neo-Malthusian, Machiavellian um, monsters and sociopaths, they think there's too many of us on the earth. And, you know, I know it's kind of conspiracy theory, but I just think there's people that just don't want us here and they want more of it just for themselves. And, you know, I won't mention any names, Gates and others, but, you know, that's, I think I was put here to fight against that. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I want to make people hard to kill so we can stand next to Jesus on the fields of Armageddon and win that thousand years of peace against our enemies. Yeah, absolutely. You know, as you mentioned, I just wanted to reiterate, I do think, you know, prevention is becoming much, much more difficult Mm -hmm. uh, in today's era. You know, we're bombarded with so much toxicity across the board and, you know, it's impossible. You can live on your own farm and grow your own food, but that you can't control what happens next door to you, even if it's, you know, a hundred acres away. So (laughs) ultimately, you know, we're, we're all affected by all of these things going on um, in our environment. So 
we could talk for probably another like three hours at this point, but, um, but I do want to get to, I want to let everybody know. So now with the remedy revolution, I have implemented a very cool feature. So if anybody's familiar with James Lipton, uh, just a little bit of backstory. I uh, grew up wanting to be an actress. So uh, I used to watch inside the actor's studio all the time, um, very consistently. And one of my favorite parts was he always starts every interview with a series of rapid fire questions so dr jimmy and you get to be my guinea pig (laughs) all right if you could choose only one natural remedy for the rest of your life what would it be one natural remedy okay um maybe pregnenolone because it's the grandfather of all my sex hormones if i Mm -hmm. put a little bit more water upstream i get a little more downstream and it's it's what keeps me speaking and thinking and my memory good so pregnant alone is my answer all right i tell us something most people don't know about you i'm a member of the martial arts masters hall of fame i'm a fifth degree black belt and taekwondo and a long time martial artist that's the pituitary trauma <laughs> so you're a ninja right <laughs> uh, part-time ninja yeah. <laughs> Uh, if I were to compile a playlist of happy music, what song would you suggest be added? Happy music. Okay. Uh, this is not going to sound like a happy song, but it makes me happy. <laughs> it's the sounds of silence. I love the original Simon and Garfunkel, but there's this group that does it called Disturbed. Mm. I think they're like a heavy metal band. And when they sing that sounds of silence, I just, man, I love it. It just gives me chills. Yeah. Awesome. The sounds of silence, but by disturbed. <laughs> awesome. Uh, what's your favorite guilty pleasure? Uh, guilty pleasure. Mm, playing computer games with my grandson. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> I do a little bit of that with my son. So. Awesome, yeah. <laughs> what's the most influential book you've ever read? Oh, the Bible. Yeah. I mean, no no question about it. It's the Bible. Mm-hmm. And I read. it's so good. I read it every day and I get it. Yeah. And I try to go through it every year and I get a, more messages and more learning every time I go through it. Awesome. What does the word revolution mean to you? Revolution. Yeah. To me, it, revolution is <laughs> it's necessary right now. It means a radical like transformation and some broken system. Something's broken and the people have got to rise up you know, to fix that. There has to be some radical transformation of that broken system or we all die. What does the word remedy mean to you? So remedy is, you know, to to bring some kind of correction to an error, a fault, an evil. Yeah, remedy is just it sings. I like so your remedy, the uh, re- remedy revolution. Yes, I love that. Yeah, that's perfect together. <laughs> that's perfect together. That's exactly what I said about revolution. <laughs> You're correcting awesome. an evil. It's yes. an evil, an Correct. error, and a fault. Okay, yes, I love yes. It. Well thought out. <laughs> All right. If you could impart one piece of wisdom onto our listeners, what would that be? You can't do it all by yourself and you're not, you're never alone. Just, you know, reconnect with your creator. He's right there with you. God is right with you. And we don't use that. We don't pray enough. We don't ask for healing and we should, we should be doing that. So don't let the secular world deceive you. The enemy running this world. Don't let him deceive you into believing that God is not real. He is so real. He is, and he will manifest in your life um, as he has mine when you really love him and 
believe in them and just have some faith. Absolutely. I love that because, you know, if I did this alone, it would be quite boring. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yeah, but, awesome. it, but the enemy does want to isolate us, you know. Yes. Once yes. It's isolated. For sure. Well, everybody, thank you so much for listening. You can find Dr. Jim Meehan at MeehanMD.com. Thank you so much, Dr. Jim. It is always a pleasure. I, uh, I really it. hope we can do this again. And oh, absolutely. Uh, see you all yeah. next time. Take care. Part of the revolution. Yeah. <laughs> For you